Ladies, gentlemen, and fellow degenerates, welcome back to the Mini Tour Saga. We are starting season two. I could not think of a better guest to have than Tyler Dobuno. We're calling it Tyler 2.0. He doesn't need an introduction. If y'all listen to the first one, the second one's just a continuation. And if you guys have an hour and a half to kill, I hope you thoroughly enjoy this one. Because we, I feel like we still didn't even cover the four or five years we worked together. But if you guys have questions, if you guys have anyone you want to see on the podcast, find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram, hit up the DMs. Let me know what you guys want to hear because Tyler and I will definitely start doing a top five, a top ten, but not so top five. Go in, listen to it, and have a time. All right. Let's get into it. Tyler two. 2. Point, yeah, season 2, Tyler 2.0. Obvi, I have to start the second season with you because I started so many seasons with you in golf. So I feel like we just have to just, I don't know. We left, we left so many untold stories the first go-around that I feel like we need to pick up somewhere in the middle of where we left off. But that was like a month ago, so I don't two months ago, so I don't really remember what we talked about. <laughs> well, I know, I, and we talked about Mexican, and that was like two hours, <laughs> right? So, I listen. I got the perfect segue into this. Uh, I was telling someone this story. What was it like a week ago, maybe, when we went to Australia? So, to paint the picture. I mean, you and I knew nothing. Well, you probably knew something about professional golf, but not like what it's like to be involved with professional golf. And I remember us going, no idea what we're doing. We like cell phones didn't have an international plan at that time. And we get to Australia and I feel like we had no idea what was going on. We get, we get to the housing. Who got us the housing? Mick. Mick. Mick did get us the housing. And they were the best housing ever. I loved it. It was. And then they were like for holiday and they're like, oh, we have some other friends and you can have our car. And I the first time in Australia, I had to drive a car on the right side of the vehicle on the left side of the road. And it wasn't a rental. (laughs) (laughs) My, my, My biggest memory of this was us literally driving down the road and me having to remind you to stay on the left, but both of us like looking in all directions when we'd come to a like four way stop or traffic light to make sure we went in the right lane. No, the worst part was we were leaving the subdivision and going up a hill. And I was like, bro, this car has no get up. Like <laughs> what are we driving? And I could, I was literally flooring it going up this like 4% incline hill. And I had no idea why the car wasn't going until we realized that the fucking parking brake was on. <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> I don't use parking brakes in the United States. Well, not in Florida. There is no hills. Except that one time in New Hampshire where I almost flipped my truck at the hotel. Details. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I do. That one was that one was rough. Okay, so on on Twitter, 
three people responded and three people want to hear about they want more Symmetra and LPGA stories and then they want stories about any time I've ever played with the guys and taken their money. Do you recall any time I ever played with the guys and took their money? I, I don't. Um, other than like the Friday game at, at, at the home course where it was just birdies make money and you made a lot of birdies, so you made a lot of money. And then, so, but probably made more money playing cards in the, in the bar afterwards. Right. So I have this story. It's actually quite entertaining. I don't know if I ever told it to you. So I get paired in this pro-am, and I'm going to say like 9.9 times out of 10, I don't get paired with even above average golfers, right? I'm well aware. I get paired with above average drinkers, which I love. Like, I'm perfectly okay with that. And in this one particular pro-am, there was this younger guy who was probably like my age-ish. And we start on this hole that was right at the end of the driving range. So right before we tee off for the shotgun, he, he flipped around and he teed up a ball down the driving range and he pumped it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. Like someone else who can get off the tee besides me. So then he grabs another ball and goes to put it in play and straight tops it. Doesn't even get to the ladies tee. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kind of look over at him. I'm like, fucking way to waste it, bro. Like nailed that one. Can't get this one. Right. So I could tell that I don't, maybe not, like it felt like he just wanted to be better than me, which I don't care, right? Like be better than me. It's cool. It's a pro-am day. Like we're given like 42% as far as golf goes. And we get to like our ninth hole and I look at him and I was like, you a gambling man? He's like, why? And I was like, well, how about this? I said, for every shot of mine we take in the scramble, you give me a dollar. And for every shot of yours we take, I'll give you $5. I said, solo birdies are 10 and solo eagles are 20. And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, come on, bro. Like, you got five to one odds. Like, let's go. So he's like, all right, all right. So we got like nine holes of this little bet going on, right? And let me tell you, well, for whatever reason, I was just stiffing them. Like, I was flag hunting. I'm putting shit inside three feet. I have no idea what I'm doing to do that, but I'm like, let's go. When I tell you that this man straight up ran out of the golf cart to go tap in the three-footer so it would count as his shot, I was like, you (laughs) son of a bitch. So I make a solo eagle. So I'm probably up like 25 bucks, right? 27, whatever it was. And he just keeps hitting these rope snap hooks. And there's just a lot of fescue. Like, we're not, we're not finding them. Plus, there's snakes. And we have, like, three holes to play. And I look at him, and I was like, hey, I'll give you a buyout clause. And he's like, huh? I said, 100 bucks right now. Bet's off, and I'll help you the last three holes, you know, with your swing. Because, obviously, I see what you're doing. And he's like, I don't need help. I was like, bro, you got two balls left in your bag. Like, <laughs> you, you do. And he was, uh, he was very macho, but he ended up paying me the hundred dollars after the round. That works. So I feel like that's like the really (laughs) guys don't want to bet me. The only guys that want to bet me are the ones that get like 25 shots off of me. (laughs) They're like, yeah, I get two on a par three. And I'm like, awesome. Nice three for one, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm down one. Yeah. That doesn't make it a, doesn't make it real easy to, uh, to win a bet when they're 
when you literally can't win. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I try to think about it, but, and then my other one, I have um, this couple that I met last year. They live right down the street from me and I've literally just kind of pushed myself and become part of their family. I really don't care. I'm like, Hey, I'm is, here. This the, is this the jugs lady? Yeah, this is the jugs lady and her husband. So like one day last year he was like, Hey, do you want to play? And I was like, duh, like I hate playing by myself. Like, let's go. And so he shows up, mind you, this is middle of the off season. So my practice is less, zero. yeah, less than zero. And he goes, what did he say? It was a, it was $200 a birdie. He goes, I'll give you $200 a birdie, but I'm capping you at a thousand. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause I really hadn't been practicing. When I tell you, I went out and shot a bogey free seven under. <laughs> he looked at me and he was like, you really do know how to gamble. Don't you? I was like, I don't know where it comes from, buddy. So he lost a grand to me on the golf course and he was very happy about it. And he's going to be super happy that I mentioned him in the podcast. Love you, Billy. Well, that's, a, I was going to say, that's a good, uh, it's a good way to do it. I mean, at least he, at least he was smart enough to do the cap at a thousand. Yeah. He had to cap it at a thousand, but there was, I mean, I thought maybe, and he didn't give me any penalties for bogeys. So, I mean, I was just going for everything. That definitely is a bat. I got bats. There's bats flying around in my backyard. We have those in our, our neighborhood here too. Shit. But, yeah, he didn't give me any penalties for bogeys, so I was just going at everything. And then I just ended up making more birdies, which I guess should translate over to my golf game, but it hasn't yet. Just do that in a in tournament. Just say, hey. Yeah, just suck less in a tournament. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's just suck less. <laughs> That's my motto. Right? All right. We got we to gotta figure out something to give these guys. I feel like they love the they love the drunk stories, but then they they love the serious talk too. Should I do this on my Instagram live for the podcast? Should I switch over to Instagram live? I don't know. They're only hearing you, so you can do whatever you want. Yeah, we might need to do that. Let's see what they do on the Instagram live. Just to like switch it up. Maybe we can get some live live questions. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, bro. Like, no idea. I steal you from a golf course. I, I mean, travel around the world. I mean, we the, the the Australia stuff was was funny because like like the week what a week or two before we left, you called Larry and was like, "Hey, uh, we need some Australian flag shorts." So when we get Australia, <laughs> people will love us. And he's like, "Okay, done." And magically, they show up like two days later, and so, uh we flew 30 whatever hours down to Australia and, you know, because we had priority, we were in row 78 E and F over on the side by ourselves, like huddled up in the very back of the plane. 78 Q. There were 16 chickens next to us. (laughs) We're like, where are we going? Australia. Yay. So, but I like, yeah, going down there, like the, Cause we were down there for a month. So it was, it was a, it was a long, a long trip. Um, but I remember when we get, you know, the river of the LPGA always follows us. Cause we get to, we get down there and there, we get to the course the first day and they're like, so we got a foot of rain yesterday. Like you can only take your putter. And we're like, what are we doing? Like we just left at Symmetra tour. So we don't have to do this anymore. 
Yeah, exactly. And then but, we had to. But like but. that that week, you played great in the Australian Masters, and then we got to play cricket with Laura Davies after the like after the tournament was over. So it really was pretty much the, one of the best weeks. I distinctly remember. I mean, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, and I remember walking in to the clubhouse to go red. And I held open the door for Laura Davies and I was so beyond starstruck and I come out and I just, I think I had the like look of pure disbelief on my face and you were kind of like, what? And I was like, I just held open the door for Laura Davies and your infamous line that you said probably 50 times throughout our time together, you were like, you're a goddamn professional. You deserve to be here get used to it i was like but i just held it open for laura davies like i don't know and then at the end and then the end of the week we're playing cricket with her so it worked out you know came full circle in six days do you think that my cricket throwing form or my golf swing is worse cricket interesting i would have said golf no cricket for sure because we have no idea what we're doing no idea what we were doing I just knew how to hit it. I had no idea beyond like hitting it and running in a straight line back and forth. That's uh, I'm, those are two things I'm decent at, but the the actual throwing of the ball, not a clue. Yeah, no, it was very sport. Very, yeah. very difficult sport. How many meals did we make on a barbecue that week? Uh, all of them. Was that the correct answer? I think so. <laughs> I'd never had so many meals on a bar- You made beer can chicken on the barbecue. Yes. Well, you, we also found out that week that light beer in Australia is not light similar. It's not a Bud Light. It's a like 2% beer, not a, not a 20 calorie less beer. So <laughs> we went through cases of 2% beer while we were down there that week. Trying to get drunk. Playing ping, like... playing massive amounts of ping pong with our host dad, who apparently was a amateur ping pong player in, when he was younger in, in Australia. Yeah, that was like your guys' thing. He, he like, that was intense. There was a lot of ping pong. There was a lot of Barbie action. And then... It was a good one. Then I remember, you know, we actually made money that week, and then it was hopping on a flight to go to this to Christchurch and we uh this is one of those like me versus you in a travel situation where you were the <laughs> boss and so you won but I was like hey they want everything clean so when we get there we don't have to worry about it and you're like it'll be fine <laughs> and we get off the plane to New Zealand they're like ma'am there is grass all over your shoes and clubs we're gonna have to confiscate these for an hour and go clean them in our no. lab in the airport and I'm like no. you look at me when we're like and you're like that's my bad. <laughs> I was totally willing to admit my wrongs. No, the best was, so we're going down there for like three weeks-ish, right? It was like two tournaments, but then like a couple of travel days. So I was actually gifted a carton of cigarettes to go down there. We were down there for three tournaments. Oh, yeah, it was three tournaments. You're right. So it was close to a month that we were down there. Yeah. Yeah. So I bring two cartons of cigarettes because I don't know what I'm going to find in Australia, right? Like they might be smoking cigarettes from the other side of the cigarette. I don't know. (laughs) The water flushes backwards. I don't know. And so we're on the plane and they give us the, the, the fucking 
the traveler form, right? And they're checking and they're like, have you, have you been in contact with livestock? I'm like, I don't think, no. <laughs> like, minus the chickens in the back of this thing, no. And then they get to like the tobacco portion and they're like, are you bringing in more than like 200 grams of tobacco? And I'm like, fucking metric system, man. I'm like, I don't know. Like, what's, what's two? This, is 200 grams like 7,000 cigarettes or like one? I have <laughs> like, no idea. I have no clue what the conversion here is. So I check yes, because I'm like, well, 200 grams doesn't seem like a lot. And I have two cartons. And <laughs> sure as shit, we get off the plane and the lady's looking at our papers and um, we're all following each other in a line and everyone's like, oh, aisle one, aisle one, aisle one, aisle one. And then they get to me and they're like, aisle seven. And I'm like, why do I have to go this way? So I go over there and the lady's like, you're bringing more than 200 grams of cigarettes. How much are you bringing? I said two cartons. And they're like, well, you're allowed a pack and a half. How many is that? I was like, that's 20 packs. <laughs> like, I don't know. And she looked at me square in the face and she was like, well, if you keep them, you have Australian taxes. And it was like $400 to keep the, the cigarettes. Did I lose you again? fool? No, no, I'm here. Oh, okay. I was like, so it was like 400 cigarettes. I was like, I don't know what, what I'm actually supposed to do right now. I don't remember what I did. I think I, I think I, I Oh, I remember. Perfect. This is why you're here, Tyler. So this, the story, somebody, I've, somebody told us not, I, like not to keep them all together um, just in case we got searched. I think it was somebody ahead of time. And so, but we didn't know like that you weren't, you were only allowed to bring like eight cigarettes into the country. And so, <laughs> so we had them in like, you had put like half a carton in my suitcase, half like Sorry, that's my bad. We're part doing of, all sorts of shit right now. Part of a carton in like another bag, like your golf bag had them like hidden in other compartments. Like we <laughs> had, had them all over the we place. We had them all over the place. And the lady was like, and I remember she was very nice. And she's like, so if, if we go through all your bags, will we find them all? And you're like, probably. She's like, but if we only open this one bag, how many cigarettes are in this one bag? And you're like, whatever, however, like six packs. And she's like, we're just going to open this one bag it'll only be like $120 Australian. You're like, you look at me and you're like, like you want a fighter? And I'm like, no, yes, we'll pay the 120 for your cigarettes. And you were not happy. And it was cash cash only. And and I brought like literally like to the dollar of how much I had in my wallet was like how much the the fine was. (laughs) And so like walking out of the airport, you're like, I owe you some cash. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do, bitch. You owe me some cash. <clears throat> so, there's yeah. Just, so, there's just, but there's then, a but learning then we, curve. The, the, the best part about the, the, that whole part of it was, so Matt came to Caddy for Emma that week, and he was going back to Sydney, and so he drove, like, a carton of your cigarettes back to Sydney so we didn't have to pay for the fines going back to New Zealand and then coming back into <laughs> Australia with them. But so this this whole trip should have just like we sh- we I'm surprised I didn't have a fucking breakdown. So then we go the next week to go to New Zealand. Right. We go Australia, New Zealand, Australia, which love that. And I don't 
I don't know airline companies down there. Like I, I book in the United States and I book where I got to go and I pick the cheapest flight because I don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it at. So we get down there and we get like the Allegiant version of an airline company <clears throat> where it was like $50 to fly, but then it was like $3,000 per limb that you're bringing on board. And then like they count your hair follicles and they're like, yeah, it's 60 cents per hair. Like, it was they just charged you for everything. So suitcase and golf bag and backpack, right? <clears throat> we were only allowed to travel with one bag. They charge us for the second bag and four kilos overweight. <laughs> so there was the added on metric system conversion there. <clears throat> it was like seven hundred dollars. I remember this and I remember like we don't, I think we threw away like a couple dozen balls just to lighten the load by like fifty dollars. Yeah, because it was because we're like, well, there's gonna be Which balls in Australia. Is the cost of a dozen of golf balls <laughs> that you got for free? Yeah, so that sucked. And then uh, the the best New Zealand story though was when so we missed the cut barely, and so Sunday, Shocker. so Sunday we went to meet up with another uh, two other caddies and at one of the one of the players was staying on property and we went to the local beer place that you can fill up like gallon jugs with why do i beer. not remember this like i have no recollection of any of this please tell me so we go back to the golf course where <laughs> so we're drinking new zealand beer on this porch like at sweetwater like the golf course and we're on the deck, and the final group plays through number nine, which is where we, we can see the green. And then somebody comes up with a brilliant idea that we should definitely get some balls and hit them off the deck at the green across this lake. And <laughs> I remember this now. Yes. So we fire off like a dozen balls trying to make a hole in one from we have no idea how far it is. <laughs> and then we run out of balls, and it's like, well, let's just hop in and swim over and grab them. We can do it again. <laughs> Did we swim? Across the lake, yes. Did I swim across the lake? Probably not. <laughs> I think it was just me and I think it was just me and uh Aaron that were that were that went for the long swim. I was probably sitting on the dock with my feet in the water just throwing back New Zealand beer. Yeah, it was uh that that was one of those days where you just you you can't if you're if you if you're not there it's probably not that funny, but when you're there and you look back in the retrospective it's like what in the hell were we doing? It's only funny to me because there's so many things that I literally don't remember as you start telling stories and I'm like and then suddenly like part of it comes back to me. Yeah, it's and then going back to Australia and driving from Sydney to Canberra. And I remember there was like kangaroo signs and <laughs> the kangaroo we, song, the we, kangaroo song. Kangaroos. And we hadn't seen a kangaroo because apparently they don't live North of Sydney. And we're like, Oh, this is cool. Like there's going to be like, maybe we'll see a kangaroo on the drive. And all of a sudden there's just dead kangaroos on the side of the road, like yeah. deer. And we're like, yeah. what is going on? And we find out later that, yeah, they had, it's basically that it's like driving through Michigan with a deer. 
straight yeah straight culture shock instead of finding dead deer on the side of the road we were zipping by dead kangaroos and then we get to the golf course for the practice round and we get to one hole and there's like 15 kangaroos just hanging out like 30 yards away from us i was like are they are they gonna start like like boxing (laughs) what are they gonna do like is this normal do kangaroos just hang out on golf courses such a culture shock yeah i the so there was also hot air balloons that week that were flying over the top and also this one this is going to be one of those facts that you're gonna be like how in the hell do you remember this i can't wait so i think it was maybe it was sunday of the tournament one of the day no it was i think it was maybe it was friday of the tournament and so we were like four or five groups behind Kari Webb's group, but she was on the other wave. So she, so, but on the course, we were on the, on whatever that nine was, we were right, we were like five groups behind her. Well, there were so many people following her. They spooked the kangaroos on that hole and they started running across the fairways. And so they end up like, they, they caused a kangaroo delay in the middle of the (laughs) tournament and put us on like a, and put us on a 20 minute delay, like in the middle of the round because all the groups had to like stop in place because. Like, I can the, assure was... you that it definitely wasn't the final round if we were playing. No, it was, it was Friday. Okay, that's better. <laughs> so I remember in Australia that I think it might have been the first day, but we played <clears throat> our first nine, whichever nine it was. You'll know. I don't. And we get to our 10th hole. And I was so – because that was my first LPGA event, like, yeah. ever, right? And you see the camera, the cameraman behind the green and every single, it was like every single hole that we got to the cameraman would be in the like tearing down process. Like we, we missed the recording by like seven minutes on each hole for the entire front nine. And all I'm thinking is like, Oh my God, my dad's watching and I'm going to get on TV. No, you're shooting 82. You're not getting on TV. Right. Like nobody gives a shit who you are. Like no one cares. But we turn and we get to 10 or whatever. And the camera guy is still there. And it was an elevated green. And I remember I had sand wedge in my hand. And boy, did I catch the top dimple. The toppest dimple of top dimples. And that sand wedge went like 140. The cameraman, (laughs) the cameraman, like, looked up in the sky and then just fucking whizzed it by him and i was like oh boy oh boy so it was like 10 and then it was like what 11 12 and 13 and then 13 came back to 10 yes and sure as shit on 13 it was what kari webb lexi thompson stacy i think and stacy lewis so it was the featured group obvi because cool and their crowd is like four people deep and my ball is in the middle of their crowd. Against against a power cable. No, no, no. No, no, no. Not yet. So <laughs> you start pacing it off, right? And you're giving me all these fucking numbers. But all I can see is the camera guy in the tower that I almost clipped. Like, I almost broke the camera. And then I got Kari Webb behind me who looks at me and is like, go ahead. And I'm like, awesome. Yeah super psyched to show my phil mickelson trash short game right in front of 100 people so you start giving me numbers you're like 
It's 14 to the fringe, 17 to get on the green, 22 to the pin. And then you're like, at 25, it's game over. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> downhill and see you bye. And there was a, I remember there was a cart path. And instead of going high and soft, I like grabbed an eight iron and I was like, let me just bank it off the cart path. And you kind of look at me and you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? Why? And I remember hitting it. It hits the cart path perfect. And then it hit the fucking camera cables and just stopped. And that whole crowd of however many people that was watching the featured group just went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God. The most alone demoralizing sound in all of golf yes like just no just stop with the oh like i hate it and i literally have never wanted to just get carried away in a stretcher so bad in my life because now my ankle yeah oh oh no i just hit a sprinkler head i'm out i was like you have got to be kidding me like oh like 80 yards out straight double Maybe triple. So embarrassed. So incredibly embarrassed. Was not. It was so bad. That was yeah. I, I I do. I remember that too because I think we had actually like gotten on a little bit of a roll, and then it was like, and it's over. By a little bit of a roll, you mean we probably made like three pars. There might have been a birdie in there. There might have been. It was purely accidental. So you, okay, you play, I mean, I don't know if, how much you play now, but you're a golfer, okay? You play, you play the, the game. Yes. How different is golf for you versus, like, the shit you, you saw on tour? Like, as far as my game or just, like, enjoyment level? I mean, just all of it. Like you take golf pretty seriously, so maybe it's not as different as I'm thinking. It it is now for me. Um, when I you know people ask me about you know f- you know former life and and being out on the road and you know I think everybody expects me to be like a plus six because I caddied and <laughs> like go out and just randomly shoot a smooth sixty five when like I play golf a handful of times a year. Um, for me, it's. I enjoy it more now, just having a cooler, having a few beers, just being with friends and just going out and having a good time. Like we have a par three course over here that they have lights on and we'll go grab a six pack and go play <laughs> holes in the dark in the summertime. And I can go out there and shoot 75 for 18 holes on par threes and still have a good time. <laughs> like, I don't care. Um, but I, I think that's, my most frustrating part is because after I stopped caddying and when I actually started playing quite a bit, I got to a three and I could hit every shot I wanted to hit. And now I step up and I'm like, eh, this should fade, but if not, it might snap hook. I don't know. <laughs> That's how <laughs> and, I feel over every shot. And still. so, so it's like, I, like I still have holes where I play and I look like I'm competent and, but overall, like I, I, I feel like I enjoy, I don't know. I enjoy going to the golf course because I don't get to do it very much. Um, it doesn't feel like work. But I think the one thing that's changed a lot is like getting to go 
as a spectator, I, for events, I know so much, like I'm so much more in depth with actually what's going on with the tournament than I am just going to like watch somebody walk around the golf course. Yeah. You know the hand signals, you know what club he's really hitting. Yeah. So like for me, like I got to go up luckily thanks to peppers. I got to go up to Innisbrook this year on Wednesday and there was no fans allowed on property. And so I got to go out to the driving range when literally I was one of like five people watching like Dustin Johnson hit balls actually saw him skank a five iron love that like thin hosel it probably still went 220 but it was (laughs) it was it was head high and to the right and he looked he looked at his brother and just had no idea what happened they claim that like scientifically a hosel rocket is as close to a perfect shot as you can get that's what they tell you to make you feel better maybe that's what it is i I, I mean it, it is it's i mean you're you're what a centimeter from the sweet spot. So, I mean, you are close. I wish I knew what the sweet spot felt like. <laughs> like, <laughs> at this point in my career, I shit you not. Like, I am over. I am so over trying to figure out how to hit the perfect golf shot. My thing is, like, if I got, like, a four, five, six iron, maybe seven iron in my hand, I'm like, all right, let's make par. Anything less than that. Like, I'm really giving it – I'm like, okay, we got a chance. But otherwise, I'm like, fuck, put this thing on the green. I don't care if we're at 40 feet and let's just try to two-putt. Like, I'm over – I don't care if my, my ball hits, like, three sprinkler heads, a squirrel, and a fucking dandelion to get on the green. Do not care how it gets there anymore at all. It's not about the process. It's about the result. I don't – I mean, did I ever, I mean, I probably did care a little more, but I just, it's so exhausting when you just keep trying to hit these perfect shots. And I'm like, let's just kind of get it close ish. Well, and one of the things that like with, with you and, and you know, the amount of, the amount of golf holes we've played together and, or like caddied and you played, I feel there's definitely rounds where it doesn't matter what shot you're trying to hit. It always works. And yes. then there's rounds, no matter what shot you're trying to hit, there's zero chance it's going to do what you want it to do. And it's, yes. and, and sometimes it goes in spurts and around, but most of the time it's just, it's random days. And it, it's amazing to being like, I didn't caddy for 50 different people on tour, but I did caddy for several different, you know, over Q schools and LPGA. Like I caddy for a number of players and, not a single one of them played anything like the other ones. Like mm-hmm. every game was different. But it, even with that, it's amazing how one day, and I remember there was tournaments where you had me read every single putt. And there's tournaments where you're like, don't say a word. Like yeah. you're like, just go, you, like you can tend the pin, go get a water, whatever. You just do whatever you feel like. You know, go talk to somebody like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like I don't need, I don't need your help. And it's, it's weird because I don't feel like there's a rhyme like in you know in Florida, there's you know with Bermuda is different than Bencrass and different things. But for the most part, I don't know if there's like a rhyme or reason for why certain weeks were certain ways. Um, and I just it's I, I look back and think think about certain like certain tournaments, and it's amazing how our our dynamic would change. Yeah, from week like, to week. But like we wouldn't change yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. Because I even notice that even now when I play, and it's the same thing on the putting green. It's, it's actually ridiculous. And 
I mean, people don't talk about it, but I'll talk about it because I don't give a shit. There's there's certain putts where, like, I see something, like, a couple feet in front of my ball, and I'm like, that's the line, here we go, and I know I'm making it. I know there's no doubt in my mind. And then there's times where, like, I literally can't find a spot to aim at, and I'm like, all right, we're just going to try and get this one close. <laughs> like, I, and I, I'm, I'm, like, slowly becoming okay with it. The inside 10 feet ones kind of piss me off because I feel like I should make more of those than not, but – like 12 to 20 feet if i find a spot like i'm pretty confident if i can get it to roll over the spot it's going in but i struggle so hard when i can't find any like when you get perfect green i hate perfect greens <laughs> like i love them i love them like six feet and in because it's like just you know i line up Start i it. use the line now like for the shorter putts because i'm getting old and i really need something to focus on but like the longer putts i'm like i have nothing to aim at <laughs> <laughs> these greens are too good if i miss this it's on me it's not because yeah. it hit us it's not because it hit the the mowing gouge from jim yeah. that mow the greens terrible this morning yeah i struggle with it so hard and i'm noticing that the the more i've been playing you know the last few weeks or whatever and i like sometimes i see a spot and like i'll be playing with the girls and they'll be walking around and talking and screaming and doing all sorts of shit and i see the spot and i'm like yeah that one's in and like oh great putt and then there's other ones where i'm like i yep i got it. <laughs> no I, I think the one like back to the like about my golf the one thing that i do find funny is when you're playing with people that are you know between 15 and 30 handicaps but they think they should be a single digit and they have zero chance of ever becoming a single digit with their Correct. current their current state but They'll ask me, they're like, oh, what do you think about this putt? And I'll take 15 or 30 seconds and look at it to, like, really give them a good read. And, like, I'll, I'll say it's, you know, it's going to break. Like, if you hit it to this point and it's, like, with, with proper speed, if it, just, if it just barely rolls over this point, it's going to take a dead left and go in the hole. And they're like, there's no way it breaks three and a half feet. I'm like, it, okay. <laughs> I, and, dude, every time I get in a pro-am, I get one guy. <clears throat> and then they'll and they'll hit it half the break and then it breaks six feet short of the hole and misses by eight feet and they're like wow it did break a lot and i was like yeah i i tried I to you. tell you or I, or yeah. what we we've experienced where you give the person the line and you're like oh it's about a cup outside and then they hit a slice putt that goes 15 feet past the hole and they're like it never took the break and you're like well <laughs> the, the ball is spinning to the right instead of the, and instead of rolling end over end and then you, you hit it you hit it enough for a 55 foot putt. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I can't help you at this point. Yeah. I know. There's always a guy. I had one guy that he wanted. He, there's always the one that's like, we're going to win. And I'm like, here we go. Here we go. Like, can we please just have fun? Like, I don't win pro-ams. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. I think I won a pro-am once. And I actually won that week too, which was Ooh, weird. That's right? crazy. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. He's like, oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to win. So we get up to the first hole, and I read the putt for him, and, you know, cup out, six, whatever it is. I'm like, here, this spot right here. There's no way it breaks that much. I'm like, okay, bro. Like, I just do it for a living. Like, I can't hit the putts, but I sure as hell can read them. I don't know what to tell you. Can't win. Maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. I don't know. My stories from tour, one of my my favorite pro-am, well, at the time, at the time, leaving the golf course was one of my least favorite programs. Was the one we had in Gray, uh, Gray Silo. It was like the Monday pro am. Oh, we, in Canada. And we get there, and it's 
early in the morning. It had rained, so they wouldn't allow the golf carts on the course. So it was car path only, and the group we had, they couldn't hit the ball 200 yards, and they definitely couldn't hit a fairway. So I literally ran 18 holes <laughs> crisscrossing the fairway, picking up all these golf balls for the whole day. And we Six literally, hours. Yeah, and we get done on 18, and everybody shakes hands, and they were the nicest group. They were super fun, but they were not good golfers. And we walk off 18, and not a single one of them had it, gave me a tip, and we're, we're driving back in. You're like, I can't believe you just had to run 12 miles on this golf course, and they didn't give you a single dollar. Not even a loony or a toonie. Yeah, throw a couple toonies at me. At least at least I can go buy a Molson at the, at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> go get some ketchup chips or something. Yeah. Help get me a, out, Get bro. a coffee tomorrow morning at Tim Hortons. Timmy Hortons. And, and uh, <laughs> we go in, and we sit down at lunch, and one of the guys comes over. He's like, we had a great day. And my can's been like 400 bucks. I was like, okay, that was worth the run. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice little yog. And that was that was the same week that you literally got us host housing at check in. Yeah, I'm so like, I think it's a gift. It's definitely a gift to be able to pull off some of the host housings that I did, right? Because we walk in, I don't even know if you were there for this because I think it was like in the player area. You might have been there. I have no idea. But you walk in and you got to check in. <clears throat> this is pre COVID, so everything's like in person. And, you know, the lady gives you all the forms or the paperwork that you need for the week, whatever. And they ask you where you're staying because they do like these surveys every week. And I was like, well, nowhere yet, but I'm hopeful, you know, trying to find someone to stay with. And she's like, well, you can stay with us. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, love it. And they were the I actually ended up texting them for another event, but they were out of town. And for a while, I was still getting, like, year-end emails from them, <laughs> like, how they were doing and stuff. Love to see it. So, yeah, just pull. I learned in the beginning of my career, like, I would book the hotels and book everything in advance. And I learned real quick, like, we're always going to find a hotel. Like, there's no sense in booking it early. Get to the golf course and see who you can find and try to finagle your way into a housing situation. Especially when... When, when money is, you know, super tight, it's like hot wire was the big deal. And you're like, okay, we can get this room for 30 hours a night. And we show up and it is the most hot garbage hotel. <laughs> you walking around, don't walk around barefoot, take the computers off the bed. You know, but it had a hot tub. People are cooking on a hot plate and they're the guy working at the front desk has to go spray uh, do the whole hotel to try to make it oh, not smell like God, dead animals. So brutal. We've dealt. It's remarkable that you even wake up in the morning and can shoot somewhat close to par. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just like, God, somebody give me a good shower where I don't have to bathe with my socks on. Well, and the, cra the, cra the craziest part is it's like that. Is, we go from that to like Phoenix, where oh, host housing, somebody's host housing. Jim and Lee. Yeah, somebody's host housing, they decided they didn't want to drive the 35 minutes to the golf housing. And we each have our own, ma like, secondary master bedroom. Stocked the fridge every day for us. Took us out to dinner. Like they were. The I stayed with them this last year in Arizona. That's awesome. Like, hooked us up they with moved. host housing in Dallas. They did. Oh, oh. Speaking of Dallas. <laughs> Tyler, I got to <laughs> throw you under the bus. Oh. 
<laughs> you said it, and I just this is. <laughs> How did we get Red Wings tickets? So our so this is one of those fate things. So our host housing we were supposed to get from our Phoenix host housing. Their home was their renovations they were doing weren't finished. So they gave us to that lived in Las Colinas. So the family we stayed with played group, but they played with Eddie Belfour, the former goalie for the worked for the stars and the wings were in town for the last game of the season. And so the wife was like, Oh, we play with Ed all the time. Like, let me see what we can do. Got home from our practice round. There was two ticket center parking and club access on the, on the, on the counter waiting for us. And we're like, Oh, cool. So did we go out after the Wings game, or was that a different night? Oh, gosh. So the, <laughs> the self-destructive night, the night It was prior, a different night? It was the night before. So we missed, we <laughs> before missed the, the Wings game? So we missed the cut, and we went Shocker. Out. You're like, oh, we're not doing anything tonight. Let's get to go food. Let's sit and drown our sorrows in our, the theater room at our, at our host housing. Yeah, we literally get home to shower, and I think I grab like two beers for the shower, thinking we're not going. I don't even know if I probably had a towel on you. Like, what? Like, we're going out. Like, what? <laughs> you you just said we're in for the night. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so we go to dinner, and at that point, you're like, it's game on. Like, we're like. I feel like we went to like Twin Peaks. <laughs> We might, I don't know where we went. I remember they had giant beers, like giant beers, like beers bigger than our trophy that I was drinking out of in Daytona. And then you're like, let's go out and have a good time tonight. (laughs) Mind you, we, when we left the house, I don't know if we were dressed nice enough to get into like anytime fitness. Like we're in like full on gym clothes. Like, like granted they were like, Lulu shorts and Lulu shirt, but they're still gym clothes. And so that's when we went to pick up some friends and go to downtown Dallas. Downtown Dallas. I remember, no, this, I, oh God, what a time to be alive. This story. Do you remember the first bar we went into? Yes. It was this underground bar. So we're literally walking on this like main strip of downtown Dallas. I don't know where we are. And we go to this bar. There's three of us, right? It's just the three of us. Just the three of us. Okay. We have to go downtown a set of stairs where, like, your shoes are sticking to the stairs to go down to this club. And when I tell you club, like, club. We didn't know any of the songs. It was, like, underground rap music. It was like shit that people are recording in their house that's like really good quality, but it was like club. It the, was the best so the best part about this, so me and you are in gym clothes. The third party is dressed <laughs> to the nines. Shocker. Of course. So we sit there for what I feel like was a, a minute. Go upstairs. I feel I don't know if we went to another bar, but I'm just gonna skip to the good part. So I feel like the two of you were walking and I was just like looking around for like the next spot to go to. That and sounds correct. There's it was like the club in 
in um, Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> okay? There's like these pink neon lights and there's red velvet ropes outside of this club with a line. I don't know how many people deep. And it y'all was, are walking. It was, it was deep. Yeah. It was, there was, I'm going to say 50 people. Oh, easy, yeah. And I walk up to the bouncer. Like, fuck the line, right? I walk up to the bouncer, and I'm like, how much to get into the club? And he goes, if you buy a bottle, you get a booth. And I was like, well, how much is a bottle? And I think he said, like, 300 bucks. And I think I whistled at the two of you, and I was like, let's go. We're going in. And you're just like, what? <laughs> that's, that's exactly the reaction. It was like, you just walked up to a bouncer with a red velvet rope and everybody in line is dressed up and we're in gym clothes and we're rolling in for bottle service. <laughs> so they take us to the booth and I remember the cocktail waitress coming up to me. She's like, what do you want? And I'm trying to think of what the three of us could drink, right? Like we're only getting one bottle. I'm already P diddying this moment. What are we going to get? And she says, what was it? Goose or kettle? Yeah. And I screamed to you. I was like, goose or kettle? And you're like, goose. And I looked at her and I was like, and then all the mixers. I was like, fucking OJ, soda, Sprite, cranberry, or like all of it. Just bring it all because I have no idea what we're doing. Mind you, I feel like this is about one o'clock in the morning. I don't think it was. I think it was later than we thought it was, but I don't think, yeah, it I think the time in the bar went by significantly faster than the time prior to getting to the bar. So now we have this bottle of goose and quite literally probably 200 ounces of mixers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the, it's, and it's the, it's the liter bottle of goose. It's not the, it's not a 750. So it's a big bottle for three of us it's and we have not a lot, not a lot of time to drink. We have less than an hour till last call. I remember sitting in the booth and you went out taking a lap just looking for anyone to help us drink this bottle. Like we were giving away full cups of goose. How how many nights have you been to a bar that you couldn't get somebody to buy you a drink to save well, your life? Or people, people like, oh, just buy me a drink. This night, I'm literally trying to give away drinks and people like, no, I'm good. I'm like, What? People probably thought we were trying to roofie them. <laughs> probably. Right? When I tell y'all that we finished, and when I say we, I mean mostly Ty. We finished the bottle of goose. <laughs> it was not my best night. <laughs> it gets better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it does for me. Maybe not in the moment, but fast forward 10 years, it sure as hell got better. <laughs> So we're, we got to go drop off the third party. Tyler's slumped. He's leaning on the side of the door. And then, bro, you wake up and it is projectile. Like, it is just, it is straight exorcist. Thank God we're in a rental. Well, yeah, thank God we're in a rental. Fool, you didn't get any of it outside the car. (laughs) I disagree. The door was, the door, the door was stained the next day. We get home, you rip off your jacket and just chuck it in the neighbor's yard. 
<laughs> we walk in. Do you remember? Do you remember why though? <laughs> no, I have no clue why. Their sprinklers were on, so I so I was trying to get it to wash the jacket off. <laughs> oh my gosh i don't know what time we got up the next morning i've never felt more bad for you in my life when i tell y'all that this dude was straight up handcuffing his own vomit out of the car door and i was sitting there with a hose mind you we left the windows down we were like this needs to air out and I'm hosing down the driveway as he's doing it. Our housing comes out, and they're like, "What, what happened?" The the worst the the worst part about that story is that I remember getting up the next morning and reliving it in my head, and it's not any better. And having to get up and go walk across the yard to the neighbor's <laughs> side yard and pick up my jacket that's that wasn't washed off it's soaking wet and still covered in vomit not washed off and you were and then i feel like we had to return the car that day no so no or the so, next day so yeah so we clean so i cleaned the car for hours trying to and <laughs> using every disinfectant spray that our host housing has in their garage and kitchen and it still stinks it's so bad. And so we have the windows down and to let it air out all day. And that's when we went to the, the Wings the game was Wings that game night. That night with the windows down. <laughs> it sounds like the stupidest story, but oh my gosh. Just thinking about it now, we're, we're ridiculous. We, we had a couple days out on tour that were uh, – that, that probably undescribable based off of our first podcast in mexico where i was puking on the honeymooners and then (laughs) you destroying the rental i don't know how i didn't get charged for that that's that's probably the number one uh i probably smoked so many cigarettes in that rental to try and mask the vomit smell that they just probably were like, I don't know, like something died in here. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I'm still shocked that out of all of those road trips and all of the rental cars that you would crack the window in and smoke in, that you never got popped for smoking in a rental. Not one yet, brother. Not one not, yet. Knock on and something. I, I actually went as far because one night I did get a rental. I don't know where I was, but I got a really good rental. Like I got like a like a mini Cadillac SUV and it was leather inside. And when I got in the car, it literally smelled like smoke, like bad. Like for me to recognize it, it had to be bad. And I got in touch with the car rental company and they gave me like three free days for it. Nice. And I was like, that's poetic. Like that's and, just pure irony. And you can smoke as much as you want. In now. Right. Yeah. That one, I, that one I cleaned house in. Ugh. Fingers crossed, no one knows who I rent rental cars with. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to think some other, some other good. I mean, like Decatur dancing on the car, Syracuse at Singers. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, like there was, there was definitely some nights. Um, the problem is, I don't remember. I oh, probably don't remember the game. Can I, can I throw you under one good yeah, one? Yeah, throw me under the bus. Let him okay. hear it. So sweet grass. <laughs> 
Okay. What so, time? So I think it was year number two um, when we were in good standing with everybody on in the in the resort. We still are. We still are. And we like post round, like we just kept going to the halfway hut and getting free drinks, which I still don't know why they're free. <laughs> because it's just a write-off. And so then we go in and we, we gamble some and get dinner. And I don't, did, <coughs> I, did we do the nightclub both years or did we just do it on the first year? I think we did it both years. I think the first night, like I had the party. And then the second night, that little country singer that was on The Voice was there. That was Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. Gwen Stefan. No, not Sebastian. Stefan. There it is. That's it. <laughs> That's the same thing. Started with an S, though. <laughs> Swammy, Swammy, Slappy, Sebastian. Samsonite. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so those were the two, like, club nights that we had. So we, yeah, there was fun, <laughs> there was, I think we, we, yeah, we, we drank a lot, and I think you actually got drinks comp there, which doesn't happen. Yeah, um, I, don't know. I don't know how I do what I do, I just try to do what I do. So we get done after a night of debauchery and we go, we go to bed and we wake up in the morning and we, we have to drive back to your dad's seven hours in the same state. Go figure that one. Yeah. And (laughs) there's only like two, three states you can do that. It's like California, Texas, Florida, and Michigan. Yeah. And Michigan's the smallest out of all of them. Yes. And, uh, we wake up and we're getting, well, I wake up, you're still in bed and I'm looking through like receipts and just a just slew of things on the counter. And I'm like, I literally have my free drink ticket from the, from the night before that I never used in a night of drinking. And I was like, I'm going to go downstairs and you're like, okay. And so I come back up with two milkshakes cause it's like nine o'clock in the morning. And it was, I was just like, ah, we need something to, for for pre-breakfast and i was like i i I said something along the lines of like like do you want a milkshake and you're like what no you said i hear it brings all the boys no yeah so you said you said what i was like oh it brings all the boys to the yard and you're like i don't care who's coming (laughs) i'm like what like it's 8 30 in the morning like what do you what do you like what is going on here all of that makes sense at 8.30 in the morning after the nights we had. I guess so. I remember, <laughs> I remember it must have been our first year in Decatur, and we went out, and I make the cut probably very close to the number. So split tees, reverse horseshoe, we're probably close to noon, but we're DFL. And I feel like we were rolling up to the course, and there was a particular player who was a veteran and she just kind of looks at us, and I'm looking rough. I'm looking like 50 shades of rough. And she's like, you're not going to be able to do it forever. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now you're like, look at me now. Yeah, look at me now. Still playing on the Symmetric Tour. Killing it. All-time leading money winner. God help me. We got to figure that stat out. That's such a bad stat. It's so bad. Well, at least it, th- this is where when you when you said that on the previous podcast, it made me think. So yes, it is a it is a it would be nice if it was in like a season. Yes. Or two. Correct. But or five. 
if you had been on the tour for as long as you had and you were like the 57th ranked money person, <laughs> that would really not be good. That would also be a really bad stat. Yeah, you're right. At least I'm up there for as long as I've played. At least I've cashed some checks. <clears throat> some, very few, but some. Was Jesus. flashback to like minute six of the podcast. So the night you almost flipped the journey, was that the same night as Moscato in the pool? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a very adequate story. So I had a a Dodge Journey SUV that I'd gotten for college graduation because we knew that I was about to start my quote unquote journey for golf. Right. It was it was it was perfect symbolism. And this car got us through everything. Right. So once I started dancing on the top of my car in Decatur. I think when I got drunk and like my car was in the parking lot, I felt like I just needed to do it everywhere. So we were in Concord, New Hampshire at a hotel and there was probably, I don't know what, five to 10 of us sitting outside bullshitting and drinking with a pool. I don't know. That sounds correct. I disappear to back up my car to play music because we don't have wireless speakers We don't have cell phones that are playing music. Like it's not, we're not there yet. You know, we're, we're struggling. We're not, it's just like, we're not third world, but we're close. Big giant iPod plugged in with an auxiliary (laughs) cord into the journey. Yeah. Right. Who, I mean, at that moment, if we didn't think we needed to develop a wireless speaker, like we just, that was our moment. And we really, I fucked it up. So I back up the journey and I used my parking brake because I felt like I was on a, I was on a slope. So I hit the parking brake. And when I get out of the car, mind you, I'm by myself because y'all are still by the pool. And the pool's like 60 feet away. Like, we're not, the pool and the car are not close enough to actually be able to hear the music. I get out of the car and I was like, holy shit. Like four more inches and my car would have just fallen backwards into this ditch slash ravine. (laughs) And I kind of walked up to you and I was like, I think we have a problem <laughs> i think my car is about to flip and i think that there was workers that were crashing at the hotel that overheard it and i think they had to chain my car yeah and and they had sl- to chain my car slow, to slow roll it out off of the the incline that you were on or decline decline yeah. depending on how you want to look at that <laughs> yeah they had to chain my Chain my journey and pull it out. We didn't even get to listen to music. That was a party foul. That was my fault. I just really wanted music. It was cheaper than AAA. Yeah, and probably significantly quicker. I wonder what those guys are doing. They were very nice. Very helpful. (laughs) Probably offered to throw them like some Budweiser's or I don't know what. Who knows? Who knows? We had time. When I look back on it, and I just had, I mean, spoiler alert. I just had Meredith on the podcast last night and we were talking about like, <clears throat> she's like, I probably hit a million golf shots, you know, throughout my career. And she's like, I remember some of them. She's like, but what I remember most are the people that I've met, the memories I created, the experiences that I had. And I was like, dude, you couldn't be more accurate. Like I can, I could probably, if I went through, I could probably think of like 30 golf shots in the last 10 years that really stick out to me, but I have way more than 30 stories. 
(laughs) (laughs) And some of them I can't even fill in myself. Yeah, there's a... there's there's plenty of them that's for sure and plenty of i mean i i I think the hardest part for to explain is is for for people that don't have never got been lucky enough to experience the the life on the mini tour is like there was days where we would literally leave florida and drive start at four o'clock in the morning and literally drive to michigan yeah which was and we'd get to michigan for dinner like late dinner like american time dinner and and the only stops were to fill up with gas, yeah, because we had to stop, and just the the stories and the songs that we sang and videos we try to catch capture of each other singing songs in the car, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that I had to wear a hoodie in the car because you kept it like <laughs> negative six. I still do. It will literally be a hundred degrees outside, and I'll get out of the gas station in sweatpants and a hoodie, and I'm like, "Holy balls, it's hot out!" Why is everybody wearing t-shirts? <laughs> but it's it's 62 in my car. Uh, Keep me having it hot. I hate to sweat. No, no, I hear you. Have you all um, right. in all your travels? Have you been to a Bucky's yet? Oh, absolutely. Oh. I will spend 40 minutes in a Bucky's. <laughs> I shit you not. My mom, I don't know where I was coming from. I think when I drove back from South Bend this summer, I don't know where I was, right? But my mom has my location just because that way she knows when she can or cannot text and call. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I stopped. She was like, where are you? I was like, stopping to get gas. I think I had like six or seven hours left. I don't know. And I didn't have service in the Buckies. <clears throat> I also <laughs> left my phone in the car. Is this the one on I-75 in South Georgia? I have no idea where I am. I just put on the bitch and I follow her. Okay. We know this. And I was in there for a minute. I ordered a sandwich. I was out there shopping. I was looking at stuff for the house. I was people (laughs) watching. It was like just a fucking melting pot of COVID. There was more people in this Bucky's than fucking Disney World. It was the greatest thing ever. I was literally in there 30, 40 minutes. I get home, I get back in the car. I got like four missed calls from my mom. She's like, I was checking your location and you're on you're on this this veterans highway for like 40 minutes. What's going on? I was like, Mom, I was at Bucky's. <laughs> like, I was getting a sandwich and some fries. Spent like $20 on on just shit. On just just use, useless shit. It was such a great experience we stopped at one on the way back from christmas uh last week and it's there's only i guess there's only one in georgia it's near uh warner robbins and we roll into this thing and i this the bucky's there i'm sure it's like all of them it's the size of a sam's club yeah there's legitimately what like a hundred gas pumps well they say it's like if cracker barrel and walmart had a baby God, I feel like it's bigger than that. (laughs) But, like, the shit you find inside. Oh, yeah. Like, everything, and then, like, really rustic country stuff. So, (laughs) we we had to wait for gas. There's a hundred and something gas pumps. And then we couldn't find a parking spot to go inside. Yeah. It was that busy. It was insanity. I love it. I love me some Bucky's. If Bucky's is listening, this podcast is not sponsored by Bucky's, but it might need to be. Like, oh. I don't even need stuff. Like, just give me, like, one hoodie and, like, six T-shirts. 
say, maybe a flat bill. You'll play a practice round in the beaver costume if they sponsor you. Is it? I was gonna say, isn't their mascot a beaver? Oh yeah, and they make they ha- they sell beaver suits. Oh my god, that's so perfect, Bucky's. If anybody who's affiliated with Bucky's is listening to this podcast, somebody make this happen. This is this is just pure PR gold. It's not like you're not going to stop at thirty of them next year. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to become a rewards member. I want to get something for free in that place. <laughs> Might be pretzels, but it's going to be for free. All right, let's give these people some golf shit. So let's see if we can come up with. I mean, kind of quickly, we probably got like 20 minutes left, so we can do it. Let's see if we can come up with either – I'm going to go either a top 10 of the shots you remember me hitting or a not-so-top 10. Like, we can do both. Ooh. So a okay. top 10 of not-so-top 10 or top 10 shots. And let's see, because you're going to have the better memory, and I'm very curious to see – what your top 10 is because I vaguely remember golf shots from that long ago. <laughs> Oof. We might have to five. That's fine. We'll go top five. We'll go top five and no particular. Yeah. I can't, I can't distinguish right now. Um, for me, the, the second shot on 18 to win Daytona was by, by far the most boring straight as an arrow shot. It was the most, in my opinion, the most clutch that you didn't really know that it was the most clutch shot you were going to have. Um, well, it was the most clutch shot because there was literally no movement on the ball. Yeah, it just went. Which anyone who knows me, <laughs> that does not happen. We do not hit a straight golf ball. No, 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 I was aiming in case the ball drew. <laughs> oh, you're right, because back then I hit a draw. I learned yes. real quick that you can't hit a draw and be a professional golfer. So... Um, um, it's hard I know I gave us like a maybe an undoable task I'm, I'm gonna go to... the not so top 10 would be the bladed sandwich in Australia that would be up there for sure the at Q school final stage on the final Jesus um, Christ in Daytona so it's good <laughs> I only did one Q school with you, and it was it was only final stage. I only came for the rounds, um, because I had a job and I could literally sneak out for like four, the like the tournament days. But yeah, it was yeah. it was on you. It was like direct dog leg left, and you oh the par four. You airmailed one so far right. You're like in sawgrass, and so you had to get a ruling. Six iron. They're like, okay, find your drop. And you literally went like 40 yards backwards to get a flat lie in the mulch or something. And then like smoked it onto the green. And I think we still, I think you made bogey out of it, which was really good. I hate that hole. And I don't know why I hate that hole because I have to just take it over the middle of the lake and fucking hit a 30 yard cut. And it's like the easiest shot for me to pull off. But I, every time I stood on that tee box, I just couldn't do it. Makes you wanna, I, it makes you want to pull it left. Like, I was better off probably hitting hybrid, hybrid on that hole than anything else. But if I hit a good driver, I had wedge in my hand. Yeah. I think that's why I did it. <clears throat> oh, no. Oh, I hate that hole. Oh, I hate that hole. I'm trying. Right. I'm trying. I'm going through courses. Uh 
listen, I'm I'm stumped. I I think on the on the not the not top ten list. Uh, yes, this is what we need to hear. This think, is probably where we need to go. Was it was eighteen at Richmond one year where you hit like a snap hook off the tee and like hit a tree and it dropped like a hundred yards off the tee. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I hit driver on that hole? <laughs> Why was I so convinced that I needed to hit like a forty yard hook off the tee just to try and get myself sandwiched? Because you didn't want to hit six iron in. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. That was a goofy hole, but God, I love that golf course. Uh, they definitely should have switched the nines. 18 should have definitely been the part five. For sure. For sure. I remember that golf course. We went up to it. Um, we saw Sarah Brown in the parking lot, and I've been playing like trash, which is nothing new, especially early on in my career. And she had given me the bright idea to trunk slam. So I was like, yeah, let's fucking trunk slam. But I have high-functioning anxiety and still needed to get to the golf course an hour and 20 minutes before my tee time, knowing that I wasn't going to warm up and hit golf balls. And I think I putted for like 50 of those minutes. And then we went out and shot a bogey-free 66, and I left the eagle putt on the ninth hole like a dick hair short for 65. It was a good day. I don't know why I warm up. I think it's useless. We might have to avoid that. <laughs> Once we get to like the middle of the season, when we when I have like three, four weeks in a row, I think I'll stop warming up for one of those. Um, I can one of the one of the shots remember from your favorite golf course in Sarasota, Sarah Bay. Mm. Um mm. the fourth hole, the par three that's short enough to throw it from the tee box but the green but the green is so angled that you will just keep it on there especially uh, with a wedge in your hand like yeah. let me hit a seven iron into that one <laughs> just zipping it all over the place with a wedge i think that it's uh there was i can't it depend and we were between clubs and you took the longer club and of course smoked it and it almost jarred and then bounced over the back of the green and we're looking we get back there and you're like oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too <laughs> yeah um it is so funny how horrible of a golfer i was 10 years ago and i made it onto the lpga tour horrible <sighs> Uh, you know, wear everybody else out. Take them all out. Take them all out on Wednesday. Maybe uh, they won't show up on Thursday. Yeah, that was my chance. I think there was another golfer I caddied for uh, who will rena- remain nameless. I can tell you, this is one of the top five workouts I've ever was on making a cut. It's a par three in Rochester, and the on the back nine, 16 or 15. And the only thing you cannot do on that golf hole is go long. And she overruled my number or overruled my club and just airmailed a green and made bogey or double and then missed the cut by one. And on then the I, course, and then I got, fi- I like... and, then, and then I got fired by her mom scorecard because, because she, that. because she hit it over the green. Love that. When when you were caddying for me, was there a lot of overrulings? 
Was I like a dick? I feel no, like... no, because our numbers. I don't know if this is good for you and bad for me, but iron numbers pretty close. I'll, once we were together longer, my I started to hit it further. So I was probably about knew exactly what your numbers all the time. So yeah. they haven't it, changed much, by the way. So it wasn't. I could, you know, depending on when and stuff, I knew. Like we, like really feel like we had the only. This will this top five for you, the putt at the putt at Sweetgrass that you argued with me minutes about which direction it went, and you're like it doesn't go left, or you're like it goes right. And I was like no, it goes left, and you're like no, it goes right. <laughs> like no arrows in this book that say it goes the other way, and you're like I just don't see it. I'm like well you got to trust your eye, and you're like okay, and you aimed it left, and it went left. By like <laughs> six feet, and you looked at me. And you're like, like your, you know, flames coming out of your ears. <laughs> and you, you. Then we have to walk to the next tee box. I think it was number eight. And we get to the ninth tee box after hundred yard walk through the woods. And you're like, you look at me. And you're like, and that was <laughs> all you said. And I'll, I, I, that's all. I, that it was one of the few times that a golfer will actually say, like, I screwed up. Like that. I feel like I like I can't trust it. You're like I can't I can't put what I don't see. I mean, fair on both accounts, right? But I feel like I was, resp- I feel like I was good enough to know, like, all right, I fucked up. Like that's that's on me. My bad. You were right. My bad. My fault. And that's how I would rather it be, though. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those right? things. Like you're, it's you're making the money, so like it's like. It, you know, when it comes down to it, like the player, no, how much like input the caddy has and how long relationships are, so, like, like if you know if it's coming down the stretch, like if it's like if you if you're like I'm going to hit six iron and six iron goes in the water, well, hit six iron. Like the, if the if the caddy's like no, it's eight iron and you're and you go back and forth and you hit five and it goes in the water long, you're gonna be pissed about that too. So it's. You know, I'd rather goes, be pissed at myself. Yeah. Um, I want to tell this one on me. This is one of my not moments. I had European Q school for the ladies. I, everything on the course is painted. It's not off the sprinkler heads like it was for most tournaments. Yeah. And I did the number off of the wrong symbol or wrong color code of the symbol. Yeah, because they use the same colors but different symbols, and it's very confusing. It's like orange, white, red triangle, and then the next one's like red, orange, white triangle, and you're like, it's the same thing, but it's not, and they're on the same line. <laughs> they're like 20 yards apart or 20 meters apart or whatever. And yeah. <clears throat> the shot came a full club in it. <laughs> it was... I, I think we like we had the number and it was like she like for the number she hit nine iron and she smoked this nine iron dead at the pin and it didn't even sniff the green. It came up so short and she was so mad. But then she hit like a putt from off the green to about two feet and then she missed the two footer and then she was pissed. Like, I'll take credit for the bad club like all day long, but you missed a two footer like that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah be mad at me for missing the two-footer um so, 
uh, I'm gonna go. I found. I I found. I've actually found two two top shots. So the chip on eleven and Sweetgrass, where I was up in the heather and decided I was gonna hit an eight iron. Yes, eight iron flop shot. I was gonna hit an eight iron flop shot because I had I literally had nothing else, and I think I put it to like inside three feet. That was one of the best of all time. <laughs> Was this, and this is shit that I don't even pre- like. Who hits that? No one hits that. I don't chip with an eight iron. I don't do anything with an eight iron, but hit it like one forty three. Especially ten feet above a green, chipping out of heather. <laughs> so I'm gonna put that in one of the top fives. And the other top five is eighteen in Arkansas when I blasted it so far right. Oh. And I saw a little window in the tree. And you were like, let's go, let's go low. I'm like, no, I'm going high. And you're like, no, let's go low. And I'm like, no, I'm going high. And for some reason, the ball went right through the middle of the tree. And I was like, let's go. And I don't know if those are, right? So it's a screen door. And I don't know if those are good things for me during a round or if those are bad things for me during a round. Because when I start pulling shit off like that, I feel like fucking Tiger Woods. And I'm like, yeah, just give me whatever you got. I got it all. But you put me in the middle of the fairway, and I'm like, watch out for the tent. Four right. Put me behind uh, a tree. I'm like, let's go. Oh, yeah, those some of those that's that it's like it's, you know, at some point when when you're with a player, especially like our relationship, you just like there's you you fight your fight and then you just acquiesce and here you go. Like if you, cause I don't, I struggle so hard. Like you, I mean, you obviously know Frankie, like there's been times where, cause you see different shots and I've caddied for him in like little amateur events and stuff. And like, I tell him what I see and then he tells me what he sees. And I'm like, I couldn't hit that shot. Cause I literally just, I, I cannot visualize it whatsoever and he'll pull it off and like there's times where I just want to drop a ball and show him what I was I was trying to think about and it's so crazy to see like the difference in perspectives and I can't like you were always good about it I mean you never you never went tooth and nail with me you were like all right fucking show me you're like yeah prove it it. let's like let's go pro so, and that's definitely something that I needed because someone who was going to try and overpower me, it was just going to piss me off even more and it was just going to be worse. Well, and it's, a, you know, when it comes down to it, like the, if you're not committed to a shot, you're never going to hit it well. And so well, even if you're committed to a shot, that's really not smart. At least if you're, if you have, like, if you're committed to it, you're going to, at least your goal is to execute it properly. You're not going to try to screw yourself over, even if it's a very poor poor decision yeah well golf and relationships have given me commitment issues so sometimes i sit over the ball and i know there's just no chance i remember once when we were playing at Suntree. god this is probably back in 13 i was behind a tiny little pine tree but i had no direct access to the green and you're like you punching low and i was like no i'm gonna hit a about a 30 yard cut with a 54 degree and you're like you're like what I'm like, well, I'm just going to set up and hit a big, sli- a big slice. And you're like, yeah, okay. And I pulled it off. And you did. Yeah, I remember that. But it's, there was just... zero chance that was if, – if, if it had been you behind the tree, you're like, there's no way that shot's happening. 
Well, also at the time, I couldn't hit a fade to save my life. I had it like a 10-yard draw on everything. Now I don't know how to find a 10-yard draw. Working on it, though. Well, that's good. I mean, you uh, just playing for the – like I've, I've – this is one of my thoughts, and I've had this conversation with multiple people. So – and excuse my term, ladies' tees, but the red tees, front tees, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. I mean, you can't offend me. We all know this. For the average weekend player – do you think, like what you said, with the, like you're making a lot more birdies because you're not, you know, because part of it you can drive some of the greens, but you're making a lot more birdies, so your confidence gets higher. So when you play from further back, like you, you just the ball goes in the hole more. Do you think that if they made a like a country club and you had to be able to shoot, like you had to break eighty from the front tees in order to be able to play the next the next ones and then from there you had to be able to break 80 to move to the next ones back do you think that would actually be something that would make it more uniform as far as like instead of you know having a handicap but also having like your tees as your handicap so you're not so you're not getting a guy that you know that's gonna if he, if he has to hit driver all day but he can't hit a fairway with a driver because he hits a 50 yard slice if he's playing from 5700 yards and has to hit three drivers on the day like he's gonna shoot a lot better because he's because he's going to be able to hit a hybrid into the fairway and then hit a six iron onto the green or near the green instead of being like in the trees, punching out, chunking one, doing this, trying to hit a three wood off the deck from 50 yards further than he can hit a three wood. I mean, yes and no. And I'm going to be very politically incorrect. Men's egos on the golf course kill them. Everybody thinks that they can hit the ball further than they can. And they don't realize how difficult it gets when you move up because your landing area becomes significantly smaller. Now, when you, take, when you take people that are used to hitting six, seven, eight, nine iron into greens <clears throat> and they miss the green, nine times out of ten, they're making bogey, right? Mm-hmm. So now you start putting these people shorter. They're not making the up and downs. They're probably still making bogeys. They're not making the putts. They're, actually, they're probably going to shoot one or two better on a hole than they normally would, but – they don't, they don't know, like, there's holes out here that I still can't hit driver on. Like, I still, I basically, I hit like a four iron and it puts me in the same position from where I was from the Golds. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm playing, I'm literally playing the exact same hole. So I guess that's kind of my thought is so, if, so instead of playing from, you know, 6,700, if you play from 5,700, like where you don't have to hit driver, you can hit a six iron, six iron. To and then hit a nine iron instead of hitting driver seven iron. Yeah, I mean they could, but, but no most, one's going to do but it. But most people are not; they're not going to play the course that way. And that's correct. That and was that's the other thing thought. that I've learned is a lot of people don't really know the rules of golf. <laughs> so, like, I know that there's the new USGA implemented the new local rule: if you go out of bounds, you just drop it in the fairway and you pretend that it was your provisional. Well, no, sir. Because you could block five off the tee. And then Correct. all these, right? And you could make a, a 14. But no one, no one who plays with the handicap system puts in a 14. They put their whole maximum, whatever it is. Because based off of your handicap, you're allowed to take a maximum on a hole. Well, you're never going to figure out the true handicap of a player because, okay, I picked up in the middle of the fairway because I've already hit eight shots, but I'm 200 yards from the hole. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, so, well, it's like when you get down to single digit, like low single digits, like the max you can take on the hole is double. So yeah, you you chunk two in the water, you just go to the next tee box and take your double, and it's like, well, well, if you would have made ten, <laughs> right? And then then instead of shooting seventy seven with the double there, you're shooting eighty four. You know, eighty four, and it's like, well, yeah, that's that that math doesn't add up. Yeah. So I think that it, it would be interesting. And a lot of the guys, some of the guys out here just bust my balls just to bust my balls. And I don't care because I enjoy playing the ladies tees with the women. Like today it was windier than hell. It was blowing like 30. I made a double on a hole and shot six under from the ladies tees. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I left a lot out there, but six under from the ladies tees isn't that great, but I'm getting real comfortable shooting six under now. Which is which is half the battle. Which is half the battle. I have I the last few days it's been very windy out here, so I haven't been playing. I mean, I had a couple seventy ones and a seventy, but those are still really good windy scores. Oh, like I'm sure. ta- I'm literally talking like. I mean, let's. What did I hit today? I hit a a five iron from one forty seven. Like it was blowing, and I punched it like. It was howling. It was windy over here. It was white capping in the intercoastal over here. So I'm sure it was white capping yeah. over there. So, but I think that people should challenge themselves. Like, move a different tee box. It's going to be a different golf course. And you learn real quick how acclimated you are and how you hit the same clubs over and over again. I mean, there's holes out here where I know, like, par threes. I'm like, okay, it's a six or seven iron. Yeah. But when I play the ladies' tees, okay, it's a wedge or nine iron. Well, I got to get used to doing that too. And now you throw the wind in there and it's like, okay, now I got to trust a seven iron from 120. Or I got to trust, like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different golf course and you get to hit different shots and you don't need to go play 50 golf courses. You got six set of tee boxes at your home course. You have six different golf courses you can play. And you can always do like the comp, you can make, make your own yeah. combo or just play the combos. I, the one, I don't know, I can't remember with Suntory, but I know like the TPC over here. The par threes as um, from the, the more like sometimes it's even like the front three tees because I think they have five or six. They're from a completely different angle. Yes. Like 50 yards right of where the longer tee boxes are. Well, that makes a big difference when you're playing to an island green. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think people don't realize that enough. And I think it's a lot. I think it's just a lot of fun and it works on different parts of your games. And I have a blast with it. It's like Saturday, Sunday, I play the boys tees. And then Monday, Tuesday, I play the girls' tees, and then I dick around Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was going to say Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is uh, sleep in. and Yeah, sleep in. I'm 34. I sleep in until 7.30, and I'm like, oh, I missed half the day. Oh, well, welcome to old age. I know. Tell me about it. Let's wait till you get to be my age. I'm not looking forward to it, buddy. I've said it every year. You should don't. don't. It doesn't yeah. the, the aches The aches and pains just keep getting worse and worse. Well, I think we killed another podcast. It's hard to tell. We killed something. We, I mean, we killed 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. I'm Get you closer to that bedtime. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, it's 11 o'clock. I'm waxed. I got to be up. We got 8.50 tea time in the morning. We got to be up early. <laughs> telling you, retired life's brutal. I was, I was playing racquetball this morning at 6. There you go. I love racquetball. Well, I might have you in again for a little mid-round or mid-season. Who two knows? Points, a little 2.5. Yeah, a little 2.5, maybe a little bonus episode. Maybe we – I think we should come up with like a top 10. 
of something. I don't know if it, if we want to do like top ten courses, top ten fuck ups, top ten just something. I feel like we need to like just take like four or five months and come up with a top ten, and then we'll do like a like a forty minute bonus episode in the middle of the year of a top ten, a worst ten, something. Oh, I could do top ten golf holes and top and top ten like best golf holes. Yeah, we could do that. We could do Symmetra Tour golf courses, top ten golf holes. And then we can do a top ten least favorite golf holes. That's Number- a great bonus episode. You guys, if anyone's made it this far, you guys be ready for that one. That one's gonna be fun. Number one golf cart in my heart, pine knob. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Maybe that can be one of your the, one of the carts will be one of the uh, Instagram pictures this week. You're, yeah, you're gonna have to remember the random things that we talked about, and I'm gonna have to look for pictures. I think I might have a picture of the bottle service. I don't remember. Well, we'll go searching through pictures. We'll uh, we'll find yeah. something. I'll get on Facebook and see what I posted ten years ago. Well, buddy, I love you. Thank you for ninety three minutes of laughter. Uh, I love you too. Thank you for having me again, and hopefully. Uh... I get to come back again at some point. Yeah, I'm going to go try and shoot a 59 from the ladies' seat tomorrow. Go do it. Make some, make the jugs. Take lots of shots. <laughs> All right, boo. I love you. Love you too. See you. All right, bye.